chapter 61, verses 1 to 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and release to the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit, they will be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities. The devastations of many generations. For the Lord, I love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations, and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, as a bride adorns herself with jewels, for as the earth brings forth its shoots, as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. A reading from the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 16 to 24. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. Our gospel reading comes from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 6 to 8, and verses 19 to 28. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. 
And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, why then are you baptizing if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today on this third Sunday of Advent, We light the previous two candles, but we also light our pink candle, the candle of joy. If you have joy and you're like me, you want people to hear about it. You want people to know about the joy that you have found. You want someone to ask you, well, what are you so happy about? A full relationship with the divine is an invitation into breaking a pattern. You see, the the candle of joy is pink, while the rest of them are purple or blue. Because Advent is a time in which the Christian tradition has often uh, had an air of uh, solemnity and seriousness, potentially even grieving as we prepare for Christ, not just the birth of Christ to come to earth, not just the second coming for Jesus to come and fulfill the promise of his kingdom, but for Christ to come into our hearts, our own hearts right now. And the invitation today is one of joy, excitement, expectation, not repentance, uh, but the expectation that that repentance is accepted by a God who is all loving and ready to bring us in to community and family. A full relationship with the divine is an invitation to exactly this kind of joy, joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. Even in the middle of a situation that I feel is hopeless, God gives me the ability to access joy. Even in the darkest depths of my despair, and I can go into some deep despair, y'all. If you don't believe me, ask Andrea. Ask your first lady and she will tell you the depths that I can go to. I can be a little dramatic sometimes. Despair is where we 
well acquainted. We're old friends. Despair doesn't sneak up on me and I don't recognize despair. I know despair a mile away. I know despair when I see it. I can smell despair on somebody else. Despair is in my blood. But when I think about the Lord, how God saved me and raised me and changed my life and gave me purpose and meaning and set my soul on fire, I am confronted with something different altogether. Joy. God lets us touch a feeling, a spiritual attitude that is beyond just what we think might make us happy in the moment or in the here and the now. I'm joyful about things I know I'll never even see. I am joyful about a world that is finally put away the weapons of war. I'm joyful about children and grandchildren that my mama can't even pretend to imagine to hope for. And I am joyful about a legacy that outlives me. I am joyful about a planet that is healing and species that we thought were extinct, finding out that there's more and more of them surviving. And I am joyful about a climate that comes under control and a continents that don't burst into flames anymore. I've got joy, unspeakable and full of glory, peace that passes all understanding. Because of what the Lord has done for us. In God, we have a foretaste of the joy of a new future. A future full of opportunity and possibility that so often is denied to us in our present and in our past. In God, we have a glimpse of the joy that is to come, not just for us, but for our descendants. We are invited into the joy of the present that God shares with us, but also to the joy of a promise that God is going to do more for our descendants. That we are going to plant seeds that will grow into trees that will give shade to people we won't even know. That's joy. In a city like ancient Jerusalem, These were people that very well may have been filled with hopelessness. And the voice of a prophet in the book of Isaiah testifies that God's joy is still on the way because God has a promise, an everlasting covenant. But sometimes you need somebody to remind you who God is and what God said. It is too hard sometimes to make it through on your own and you need someone to testify to you and let you know you need the voice of a prophet, someone crying out in the wilderness to remind you that you have access to joy no matter what is going on in your life at the moment. You see, Jerusalem had been through 
some stuff. They had not been having the best year ever. They weren't all living their best lives. They had seen the trauma of violence and war, isolation, deportation, incarceration. They faced the frustration of trying to rebuild what had been stolen from them without the resources that they needed to do it. Can you imagine such a dysfunctional city? They're trying to educate their children, but they can't get any money for their schools. They're trying to make sure that everybody gets access to the best doctors and the best medicine, but it's all hoarded in the rich communities, and they're trying to make sure... Could you imagine a city that works that way? It's almost inconceivable. I know it's hard to get your mind around it, but if you can just use your creativity and project into a world totally unlike our own and get into the headspace of somebody that needs to hear the voice of a prophet... then you might be able to understand how important it is to have somebody that can testify to you. This was a city acquainted with despair because their expectations of deliverance had gone unmet. Have you ever trusted God for something that God didn't give you? Have you ever believed God for a miracle that didn't manifest? Have you ever planted seed that didn't take root? Have you ever thought you would never feel joy again? Because of everything that had been taken from you, everything you'd lost, everything you'd seen other people lose, that you thought you'd never feel joy, never feel happy. The Bible is a complicated book, and I, I am never gonna be the kind of <laughs> I'll never be the kind of preacher, but I'll never be the kind of person that pretends that everything is rainbows and butterflies and I'm here to sugarcoat things. Sometimes life just sucks. <laughs> and in the Bible, you can read it. There's whole Psalms that sound basically just like, this is terrible. I don't want to do it anymore. That's scripture. And to ignore that, to shut that out, is to ignore your own heart. And to plug your ears to the voice of a God who knows how to suffer with you. You see, it's not just that the people of Jerusalem had seen their own promises go unfulfilled. It's, you see, the Bible calls it devastation. Can you imagine your sacred place being torn down right in front of your eyes. Imagine your temple. Imagine your church, your home. Maybe, maybe I've got an old Toyota MR2 sitting outside my daddy's house and I love that car. And it's, a, it's my first car. I learned how to drive a stick shift in this car. It's, 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 it's almost holy to me and I don't even like cars, but if I've got a car person 
on this on this stream just imagine your first car your favorite one being destroyed right in front of you devastation imagine all of that watching people take our church apart devastation it's not just that they are feeling the devastation of what they have lost it's that this has been going on for quite a while the bible says it's the devastation of many generations the devastation of many generations a weight that is hanging on a whole people a grief that extends from great-great-grandparents down to great-great-grandbabies. A a devastation that spans years, decades. A trauma that follows you. Americans today, I would say, are in the middle of a spiritual struggle even now to come to terms, not just with the normal devastations of being an American, the devastations of an uncontrolled viral plague, the devastations of capitalism and segregation, not just the devastations of the present, but the devastations of many generations. You see, when an American is raised in poverty, they're very likely to have kids that are born into poverty and they stay in poverty. And it's not like that everywhere in the world. Other nations have something called social mobility. You might be born poor, but later you and your kids start to do a little better. But in America, for whatever reason, if you're trapped in a cycle of poverty, you are less likely to find a way out. The devastations of many generations, the devastations not just of poverty, but of illness. I never got to hear my my grandfather's voice. He He had a stroke before I knew him and was rendered, as far as I know, nonverbal. Maybe he just didn't want to talk to me. (laughs) But I never got to hear his voice. My own father struggles with the health of his heart, as many black men do. Devastation encoded in our DNA, trauma, written into the code of our bodies. Devastation. The devastation of segregation and redlining that condemned whole communities to poverty for generations. The devastation of murder and brutality inflicted mostly on black and brown people, indigenous people, trans and queer folk, The devastation of slavery, which was outlawed by the 13th Amendment, correct? Except, of course, for the loophole in that amendment for those who are incarcerated. And I'm sure it's just a coincidence 
that along with all of the stolen social mobility, America also has the most people locked up. Devastation across many generations. And in the face of all of this devastation, in the face of all of this destruction and loss, all of this theft, the voice of a prophet cries out in the wilderness that the spirit of the Lord is present. With all of that as backdrop, with all of the fires burning, with all of the riots and the looting, all of the looting, not just somebody throwing a brick through CVS and ransacking the place, all of the looting. You know, the kind that that people don't care about, the kind that the banks do, the kind that made 08 such a bad year for the housing market, all of the looting, all of, all of this. comes the voice of a wild-haired fanatic, a fringe prophet down by the river, crying out, repent, for the Lord is near, holding up a cardboard sign saying that God is on the way. Because at some point, someone has to break the cycle, some One way or another, the color has to change. We need a shift as a culture. And ought it not be a shift to joy? Haven't we had enough devastation to last too many generations? Ought we not to just have a little bit of joy? Just enough to get us through. Just enough. to give us the strength to lift our voices and cry in the wilderness, prepare a highway for our God. The spirit of the Lord is here. Now the voice of this prophet testifies of a new and beautiful future full of love, freedom, and prosperity for all God's children. Especially to the brokenhearted and those who are in mourning, the voice of the prophet promises the comfort of God. There's something about mourners in the Bible. There's something about those who are brokenhearted. There's something about those who think they can't go on that God is especially drawn to. God seems to think about and talk about and care about the brokenhearted and the mourners. Now, the book of Isaiah gives us perspective on the word testimony. We can read it as a declaration that God is here and active among us. Testimony is an ancient prophetic tradition. So when you testify in church or on on our phone church, if you think that God is good and you type it in to the messages right now, that God was woke you up this morning, whenever you do that, you are actually taking your place in line in a long and unbroken tradition of folk who, despite the death and the darkness and the chaos of the world, have opened up their mouth to say, ain't God good? And we've been doing this for thousands of years. Why? Because God is faithful. 
So today I want you, whoever you are, even if you're not with me live, if you're watching uh, this recording, go ahead, type it in the comments, text somebody, call somebody up and tell them God is faithful that you've experienced the divine at some point in your life and you just want to let them know about it. Ask them if they've had a similar experience and if they haven't, that might be an invitation to you to be more present in their life. After all, aren't you a part of God's mission on earth? If you've got friends and family wanting to walk around talking about they've never seen God, That's not good, is it? They should be seeing God through you. You should be lifting your voice, letting them know that God is on the way. And I, if there, there's never been, I have not been on earth as long as many of you. But this year seems to be full of all kinds of opportunities to let people know that God is not finished with us. We can't have anything this year. We can't have a darn thing. And I cannot be the only one who needs a little bit more joy. So think about that today. Think about your testimony and who you can share it with to strengthen them and yourself and to bring glory to God's name. This is our tradition. This is our identity. This is who we are. This is what we mean when we say good news. That's evangelism. It's just sharing that things, although might be as bad or worse than they appear, that's not all that there is. There's more to the world than meets the eye. Can you imagine thinking that this is all there is? Can you imagine being alive in 2020 and having no kind of faith, no kind of rootedness in a spiritual tradition? I am barely holding on, y'all. If I didn't have the mindfulness practice that I've developed, the prayer life that I've developed, the, the living connection to God that I've developed, I'm not trying to mess around with 2020 at all. I don't know about anybody else, but this, I, I would have packed it in. This is... This is far more than I'd signed up for. So take your place in this tradition. Frankly, I need you. If nobody else is going to tell you they need you, I do. Pastor Nick needs you. You can let me know how good God is to you. And if you're shy, I can share the story for you. I bet your first lady's got all kinds of stories she's not going to tell you. She's, She's camera shy, but... You know she believes God is good too. This tradition, prophecy, testimony, it is meant for us. It is meant to be a reminder that God's not finished with us. God is not silent, but still speaking. God is alive in us, in our connections to each other, our relationships, the efforts that we extend to make our community better and brighter and more alive. God is in all of that. And we are not alone. Testimony, prophecy, it is here to let us know, remind us that God's been shown to us. It's not 
a total mystery who God is. We're not starting from square one. We are not wondering who, like why this voice is coming out of this bush that's burning, but the bu- it's not burning up. No, we are just getting in line to let people know that liberation is on the way and that God loves them and cares about them. Testimony, prophecy. It reveals the divine action to us, the nature of God's personhood. Testimony lets us receive and share with one another how good God has been. And when we share that reality, the reality of God's goodness, to us, to our families, then you can start to feel that joy bubbling up. I feel it right now, it's starting to happen. The more I talk about it, the happier I get, the more joyful I get, I start to feel lighter than than I felt before. Why? Because my mind starts to drift from myself and my ego and my own needs to other people, what they need, what they have, gratitude. It changes the color of my soul. Your struggles are real. They're valid. But sometimes we must focus on the joy that is open to us through the power of God's Spirit. And when we do that, focusing on what we can give to our neighbors, our families, our communities, what we can do to give God glory, what's going right for others instead of what's going wrong for us, the more we are able to shed that spirit of heaviness that threatens to overwhelm us. You see, testimony in that way becomes the key to accessing the spiritual resources that I'm talking about. Prevents your unspiritual mind from fixating on its own needs and selfish ego to the extent that you choke yourself out. Then your mind transforms itself by focusing on God instead. The welfare of the marginalized and the oppressed. Viewing the act of testimony through the lens of the prophetic is also a call to communal advocacy and political struggle. Prophetic testimony knows that God's spirit isn't upon us for no reason. It's not just to make us feel good or help us through the day. No, the spirit of the Lord is upon us so that we can preach the good news and break every chain of bondage. I don't know if you've ever felt God's liberating spirit wash over you before. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody get delivered before, but if you have, you know it's hard to do that with a frown of sadness and sorrow on your face. It's hard not to feel lighthearted when you see somebody else have an experience of the living God. This loving, healing kind of power, you can't help but feel joy. So when we share our own stories, 
We don't do it to draw attention to ourselves. Even though that's all that social media is, is people self-promoting, trying to make themselves look attractive, like their lives are good and fun and better than yours. They had a better vacation than you did. That is not, that is the opposite of what testimony is. And that's why, just like John the Baptist, we have to tell people, I'm not the one you're looking for. I just came to tell you that he is on the way. Some people stop going to church without realizing how important it is to hear other people talk about how God is showing up in their lives day by day. But I want to be a part of a community that cannot shut up about how good God is all the time. When was the last time you told somebody how God has been faithful to you? When was the last time you let somebody who is running out of hope know that God is always faithful? And when you let that person who was running out of hope know that God is always faithful, did you take the next critical step of continuing to be there for them in relationship, ministering to them to meet the needs so that you were the one that made sure that God's promise got kept? Or did you just tell them that God keeps God's promises and wish them luck? as you went on your own way. Are you determined? Do you have an openness to allow God to keep God's promises through you? You see, John didn't just talk. He wasn't just a voice in the desert. He was also baptizing people and calling them into community, knowing the community is what they really needed. I want to be a part of a community committed to testifying just like that. No matter what's happening, we know the word of God is being made flesh among us. It's not a mystery. It's not even a a, a faith in something we can't see or prove. We see it because we show up for each other. We see God's love is real because we feel it and express it. There's nothing to prove. There's only joy. When you live in the spirit this way, you'll find that joy is just a natural state to inhabit, even if it doesn't make sense on paper, even if you're still kind of a cranky old man like I am. Joy persists. It, it makes me kind of sick sometimes how joyful I am. It's, 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 it's not practical. It's, it's not logical. It's It's too emotional how joyful I get about how good God is. Even though all of the narratives in a testimony can be about our experience, it's actually not at all about us, but all about God. And when we understand that, you'll see joy open its gates wide open. You'll praise God in spirit and in truth because when you testify, that's what's happening. It brings us closer 
to what our souls really long for, the true nature and character of God who will never leave us nor forsake us, a God who acts in history and fills us with the power of God's Spirit so that we can make transformations in our world. When you testify to this joy, this living joy that you can't hold down, It centers you on not who you are, but who God is and why it matters who God is. When you bear witness to the joy of God's presence, your ego shrinks and so do all of your troubles. And God is magnified in your weakness and seems to grow more and more present, even in the midst of your struggles, until joy is all that there is left. That's the joy that... John had when the Romans came for his head. That's the joy that legend says led Paul to pick up his chains and run to the executioner's block with no fear because he had every confidence that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That was a man looking for a little more joy than could be found on earth. It is this joy that let John tell the crowd that he wasn't the one he was looking for. He just was letting them know that he was going to be here soon. This is the joy that should drive your ministry to be the same. This is the joy that Martin Luther King Jr. took a bullet for. This is the joy that John Lewis took a beating for. The joy that kept him serving and testifying as Congress and Congress for his whole life. Have you ever felt that kind of joy? This is part of how we pray without ceasing. When you build this testimony into your life, into who you are, your life is a prayer. Your life is a testimony, not just in word, but in deed. This is part of how we become God's work. It's a testimony to confront the corruption and the evil of the world that hurts the poor and the oppressed and tries to keep them trapped in cycles of deprivation and violence. That is testimony when you stand up against those systems. It's testimony when you vote against those systems. It's testimony when you organize and advocate against those systems. It's testimony that God is here. So what is your testimony today? Not just the words you might share, but your deeds. What will you do to reveal God to a world that so badly needs God? Are you a light burning in the dark for all to see? We're in the middle of some of the most serious trials many of us have ever faced. So in the middle of all that, if you sense the divine, the voice of God leading you, loving you, and it fills you with joy, don't be alarmed. That's what's supposed to happen. You are supposed to be a little to the left of sinner. You're supposed to be just a little odd. You're supposed to be dressed in camel's hair and eating locusts and honey. They're supposed to be a little worried about you. They're supposed to think you maybe lost your mind. They're supposed to not fully understand. They're supposed to ask, who are you? Because that's the power of a good testimony. That's the power of a life filled with world-changing joy. 
That's the power of living in relationship with God and your neighbors. So will you accept the invitation today? Not just to be happy. Not not that. But to be a part of God's mission. And to let the world know that God is coming to make straight paths and highways for our God. To let people know that things have got to change because God is on the way. And in fact, God is here. Will you let them know that God is still speaking? If you will, then give testimony. Be a joyful voice crying out in the wilderness. Be an advocate in a city that needs God. Because light has come into the world. It's here even now. Thanks be to God. Amen.